0: Well, I'm glad that you're here this morning. And for those online, glad that you're here and hope that you get better soon. As you may have noticed, uh, my voice is also a little bit weaker and uh, stuffier. The sinuses uh, got not the best of me, but it sure tried uh, with it going like 30 degrees and then 50 degrees, and then back to 30 degrees. And then I don't know what today holds, but probably something we don't expect, Arkansas weather. I also want to thank you again for those who uh, gave at uh, Pastor Appreciation uh, back in October. Uh, Laura, you know, after the, the, the holidays and cooking and just the idea of, of cooking yet another meal kind of got the best of us. And so we were like, hey, let's just gather all of our cards and have a, um, a Pastor Appreciation evening. And so we went and got tacos, which I hear girls like. And then... Uh, we went and got ice cream and it was, it was awesome, so thank you again for your support and love that you poured out on our family. Uh, this morning, I'll be reading from a few different places, uh, but we'll be starting just in James uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. If you'd like to start making your way uh, there or you can read it on the screen. How are your 2023 resolutions going? how are they going? Still going strong? Statistically, 23% of people, and obviously these are those who were polled and answered honestly, but 23% of people quit the resolution by the end of the first week. And only 9% actually make it to the end of the year, which means that there is 68% of us that fall off somewhere between January and December. And I, I was never, even as a young lad, uh, never really taken up with, with the New Year's resolutions. Not that I thought that I was uh, the best version of me, I just never really got into the new year, new me kind of uh, thought process. I, I was like, well, if you've, if you've identified a way to be better, why wait till the new year? Why not start today or tomorrow or this evening? Like, just, Let's just do it now. Um, I, I do this thing though, where I, I alternate years that I listen to radio. So I, I will, uh, last year, 2022 was a year I didn't listen to any radio, just sound score, uh, like film scores, or, or just like you know, classical music. I took a year off I, on January 2nd, I uh, looked up a YouTube video of the best songs of 2022 and i don't feel like i missed anything (laughs) so but this is a year of radio so we'll see good we're looking but that's not a resolution that's just john being crazy well so what is what is a resolution what does that word actually mean or what does it mean to you A, a resolution in this Context, and a New Year's resolution is a formal expression of your opinion. It's a formal expression of your will or your intent for yourself. So when you make a New Year's resolution, you're making that formal expression that you're revealing the intent that you have for this year that you're going to be or what you're going to do. It's a truth statement about your life. However, as the statistics have shown us, we often find it very hard to keep our resolutions. Now why in the world am I going on about New Year's resolutions? I I don't really care about your your resolutions or whether you've kept them or not. That's between you and your unused gym membership. (laughs) What I do care about is that we seem to live in a society, in a culture, that our words have no accountability to our actions we're not holding ourselves and others accountable to what our words compared to what our actions are doing. And I know most of you pretty well, and I'm sure that you grew up hearing the same things that I did, such as, a man is only as good as his word, and if his word isn't worth anything, then he isn't worth anything. However, we see people being rewarded for pandering statements and outlandish promises, but they rarely are held accountable to their action, or, or held accountable for their life actions. We see it most prevalently when we look at celebrities or politicians. Of course, nowadays, the line between a celebrity and a politician are quite blurred. It seems that that is a lateral career move, from career, from politician to celebrity. You don't have to mean what you say, just as long as you say it loud enough and to the right people. Did I get that right? Seeing, saying things is just as good as doing it, right? The more that we see that idolized in people, the more that we see that and accept that in our culture, the more that it trickles down into us. The more that it trickles down into the things that we say in our own speech, in the way that we treat people the way that we look at people the way that we talk to people let's read from James 2 14 through 26 what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. Many of you have probably studied this, uh, this text a bit, or at least you've probably heard it a time or two. And it's incredibly important as someone who is evaluating or self-evaluating their faith and their works. But today, I'm not actually gonna spend much time together exploring our faith and its connectedness to works. Today, I wanna focus more on the empty words that we use. And if you're part of one of our community groups, you'll actually be digging into the empty works uh, in your community group. So if you're not part of that, I encourage you to join one. Come talk to me afterwards. But when I look at this passage, I'm actually seeing a a kind of a three-step cycle of good and healthy faith or a triangle of healthy faith. So looking at the image on the screen at the top and the most important is our faith in Jesus Christ. And from out of that faith comes our speech, our words, and then out of our speech and words comes our works. <clears throat> and if you'd like to follow along, I'm actually going to skip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 13-15. through And if you want to start making way there, or it'll be on the screen. Um, our sermon series prior to Luke, uh, for, for our Christmas series, we were actually in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and this will be pulled out of chapter 4, which is actually one of my absolute favorite uh, chapters. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and this is Paul, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul makes it here pretty clear in 13 and in 14 that when he believed, when he had faith, when he found faith in Jesus Christ, he spoke up about it. And that if you and I share that same faith that Paul had in Jesus Christ, that we need to speak up about it. So our speech, our proclamations, our confession, our truth statements are a part of our faith. And out of those statements, from our faith is bred our works, which then feeds back into our faith. It's a cycle. Out of our faith, then we speak up, which then breeds our works, which then feeds back into our faith. So consider this. When you accepted Jesus in your heart as your Savior, you put your faith in him as the Son of God, the living, perfect sacrifice who died and rose again, saved us from our sins, conquered death. You put your faith in him, and thus you confessed... Him to be your Savior. You spoke about Him to be your Savior. And then in obedience, an act of obedience, you got baptized, feeding back into our faith, healthy faith. And when one of those things, one of those things in the cycle of healthy faith is not being fulfilled, we have unhealthy faith. So looking at that cycle, again, faith being the most important of them, you begin to have unhealthy faith. You stop confessing Jesus or speaking his love or speaking his truth or maybe both. If we we speak truth or love but we do not act upon them, then our health or our faith again becomes unhealthy. Our words become empty. And this is where I like to spend the majority of our time is Empty words. So let's go back again to James 2, looking at verses 14 and 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I think oftentimes when we look at these, these verses, and when we think about the effects that words have, we, we think about the effects that those words have on other people. And first, I'd actually like us to think about what empty words have, like the effect that it has on ourselves. You see, words are powerful and impactful, and I know we've talked about this uh, before, but words are like black powder, And most of you have probably played with black powder on July 4th. You see as it goes up, and then when it explodes, it goes in all directions, which means it doesn't just affect the people that are in front of you, but it also comes back at you and affects you. Words are powerful. So let's use the scenario that James has set before us. And now remember, this isn't just someone who walked in off the street. This is a brother. This is a sister in Christ, someone that you know. And they're in some sort of situation, whether it be Financial, or maybe food, or clothing, or lodging—they need something. And then you hear about it. Maybe they've told you about it. Maybe you saw it in a text thread, or through the prayer chain, or maybe you saw it on Facebook. And your reaction is—and again, you know—your reaction is to to text them or to say, "Hey, praying for you, thinking about you. We're we're praying for you." And—and don't get me wrong, these. These type of reach-outs are are incredibly powerful and encouraging if, and this is an incredibly powerful if, they are encouraging and powerful if you actually pray for them. If you actually pray for them. Are your words a precursor for the act? Are your words a precursor for the act? Or have you become has it become more like a knee-jerk reaction when someone bless you, bless you? Is it just being polite? Do you know where the tradition of sneezing came from? I didn't. And I also didn't know there was quite a debate about it. <laughs> so there, there's not a hundred percent agreed upon uh, where it came from, but there, there's some people believe that when you sneeze, part of your soul comes out, and that there's an opportunity for, the, for Satan. To, to then get your soul, and so they would bless you so that way you, that Satan couldn't get your soul. Now, that's not the one that, I, uh, that I'm going to cite, but, but I just thought that one was a little fun. Uh, but most likely, uh, the origin was, was in the Middle Ages, around the 14th, 14th century, um, was the bubonic plague was going across Europe and practically killing uh, everybody, and when someone would sneeze, they would go, well, that may be an indication of them getting sick. And, and you know, I think it's uh, quite chilling when we think about COVID, like with some, you know, sneezes that might get sick. And so that was a truly like a blessing. Like, I really hope that you don't have the plague and that you're going to make it. And if, if not, I love you and bless you and I may not see you again. So this was, that was truly something that people, when they would say, they were putting a blessing on you because they cared about you. And today, do you even know why you're saying it? It's just tradition it's politeness we're just being polite i also heard when i was a kid that your heart stopped which i then found out that's not true apparently your heart like speeds up when you when you sneeze uh, but tradition is just just something that you do so so with that if someone were to not actually say bless you when you sneezed would it matter did would you get deeply offended does it even register if you sneeze while you're by yourself, should someone still say, bless you? <laughs> now consider this. Let's just play the what if game. What if, the pray, what if the phrase, praying for you, has become the Christian, bless you? And it's just a knee-jerk reaction. It's just politeness. We're just saying it because something bad was said because an event happened there's no accountability to those words so what effect does that have on the person or on you when you don't do what you said you were going to do praying for you and then you don't do you feel guilty that you didn't pray for them do you even think about it maybe you did it first couple of times but after a while you've taught yourself that the words are sufficient enough and that the work isn't necessary. After a while, when we don't do what we said we were going to do, we teach ourselves that the words are sufficient enough and that the work is not necessary. This is a lie. You see, when we substitute the work of our hands, the love of Christ... For just sentimental words, we become like the hypocrites. In Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before the people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. That they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And just to be clear, I am not saying don't send a text that you're praying for you or send a card or send a Facebook message. Uh, When I was in the hospital, I I certainly felt all of your prayers. It was like, you know, it was was really painful. So I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it was really painful. But once they, they actually got me admitted, like they took care of me. It was a great experience. The bills not so great, but everything else has been great. The year I got a great urologist out of it. He's kind of a cowboy, kind of. He's he's interesting. Like he when he says, "Hey, this is gonna hurt," he's not kidding. Uh, but he has taken great care of me, and and it actually has turned out to be like I got like I'm being cared for. And so like thank you for all your prayers. Like everything went perfect. No no problems. No residual well, so far. No residual stuff. So again, like I felt your prayers, and I, I appreciated. All that, but again I go back to the if you pray. So when we look back at the at what a healthy cycle of faith is faith, speech, works, all of these things have to be involved in the cycle for it to be healthy for you and for those who are involved. You see, without the other two, if it's just the words, we have lied to ourselves that words can stand alone as enough. When we make these statements to people, or worse, we make promises to people, haven't we already received our prize? And let me, let me give an example. If you have a vice that you've got caught doing, or it's a thing that you've struggled with, maybe it's anger or alcohol or drugs or something, That vice that you can't seem to break, and you go, not anymore. I'm taking a stand. This will be the year. I don't do that. And you've told everyone, and everyone's excited, and they're like, thank you, that's awesome. You've given them this this, this, this feeling of peace that you're going to step away from that thing. I'm not going to do that thing anymore. And they're excited and they're happy. And you feel that. And the encouragement. You've received reward if you continue to go do that thing. Because you'll be found out. And then there's an eternal reward on the other side of that. You've, re- you've received your earthly reward. It's hollow. It's empty. It's empty. You've turned your statement into emptiness. And let's not limit it to just conversations that we had over things that have done wrong. Does this sound familiar familiar to you? Oh my goodness, I haven't seen you in forever. We should get together. We really should. Hey, I'll give you a call. You're going to call me? I'm going to call you. Okay. You don't call. We don't call. How often have we walked away and we don't call, we don't text, we don't reach out? Empty promises. Another adverse effect is that we convince ourselves that saying something, that saying something is actually just as good as doing it. We don't feel bad when that thing doesn't happen. In fact, when we think back about it, we're like, that was a great meeting. I I got to see my friend. And then we walk away with no accountability, thinking that conversation was good enough. How many empty promises, how many empty statements are we making to people, to our friends, to our spouses, to our children, to ourselves? When you can lie to yourself. Empty words lead us to believe that we don't even have to physically love someone to have a spiritually positive impact on them. Just saying it is enough. And when we start to believe that, it's not that far of a leap for us to believe that our faith is built on words, on just good words. And then when those words aren't enough, we seek other words. We seek more words of adoration from more people. And if we can't get them from the people around us, then we seek them from places that we shouldn't be seeking words of praise. And instead of placing our trust in Jesus Christ, we place it in people and in their empty words. Again, this is unhealthy faith. I'll leave you with this thought again. Is when we substitute the work of our hands with just sentimental words, we become like hypocrites. We've explored what this does to us in our faith, but what do empty words do to the people that we say them to? So let's continue reading in James, but we're going to skip over to chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so strong and are given by strong winds For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and curse, cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So James is pretty clear that the, the tongue is quite powerful. It has can control the, the body, can control the the course of one's life. But again, for our time together, we're going to look uh, we're going to look at just what the effects of, of empty uh, tongue or empty words have on us. And, and we're just going to look at two parts of that uh, passage, looking at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. Now, James starts the chapter off with saying, you know, that not encouraging everyone to be teachers and that you should... You should consider the ramifications of being a poor teacher. But this verse, verse 2, starts with that for we all stumble. We all stumble. All of us stumble in many ways. And this is not just for teachers. This is for all of us. And that if you can master, if you can master what you say, if you can master your tongue, then you can master your actions. If you can master the things that you say, you can master what you do. And when we think about controlling our tongue, like what the, the effects that our tongue have, the most popular related sins that we think about is hurtful words, gossip, criticism, cruelty, exaggeration, words of anger. Words of insincerity don't generally make the top of our list when we think of popular word-related uh, or mouth-related sins. But going, forward, uh, but going further, we, we can't, con- if we, sorry, let me start that sentence again. When we can't control, when we use empty words, we cannot control our actions, or rather, the lack of actions. And what I mean that is, when you say, I'll go do this, and you have no, like in the time, like, I intend to do that. But then you don't do anything to actually make that happen. You don't even, you get to a place where you don't even have control that you're gonna say, like, yeah, I'll take care of that, and then you don't. You get to a place where it's just like habit. Yeah, I'll do that, but you don't. And let let me stop real quick. If you're feeling a little bit guilty or whatnot, I'm not throwing stones at anyone here. And believe me, I've thrown uh, rocks and boulders on my head uh, all week reading these words. Um, I I have come home to daughters upset that I didn't keep my word and and text messages from a wife who's been upset that I haven't kept my word when I said I was going to do something and I didn't. So believe you me, I am as uncomfortable with this portion as you may be right now. And if you're not, then God bless you. When we can't control our empty words, we can't control the lack of our actions. And in that, we don't even know the effect that our words are having on people. We don't even know the effect that our empty promises are having on the people around us. The second part that I want us to look at is verse 5 and 6. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. uh, James uses this illustration of being burned by the tongue, or rather being burned by the words that come from our mouth. And most fires aren't just a raging fire from the beginning. It usually starts out quite small. Unless you're doing something dangerous and then you, you may have started off with uh, a raging fire please don't do something dangerous but it usually starts off quite small. so how do our empty words empty promises how do these grow to a raging fire It's not like've we've, we've cast something we've actually done something intentionally nice and then ended up not following through. so how does this burn people? how does it get to a raging uh, place Well let me let me give you two examples, one fun and one one more serious. Do you guys remember junior high or or for some of you middle school now? <laughs> I don't think they have junior highs or maybe some people subjects. But you remember that that cute girl or cute guy that you liked and if you, you finally got the courage to to reach out to them to see check yes or no. Maybe you passed them a note in the hallway or left it in the locker or during class or or sent them a text or a DM. Trying to find out if they maybe they like you or they want to go on a date or or they want to go to a dance. And then they they respond with, Well, I'll let you know tonight. Okay, well that's not a no. That's not bad. All right, I'll take that. Alright, and then, then night comes and 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 then you don't hear from them. You're like, okay, all right, well, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow you see them at school and you they don't acknowledge the, the question that's out there, and you're like, well, yeah, maybe they just need more time, and 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 and, and as the day goes on you you start to feel this kind of burning sensation this thing that you can't you can't move on to anything else you you have like this ember this fire that's inside of you where you're you're that's all you can think about like i wonder i wonder what they're thinking like why like oh no now i have all this anxiety and it's just burning and it's sort of taking all control of all of your faculties where you can only focus now on getting an answer and you start asking yourself questions like you know did, could, they, could they read my note? Was I not clear? Should I send them notes? More notes? Should I send them lots of notes? Should I send them no notes? Should I ignore them? Well, I don't know if I should ignore them. Well, what if they don't like me? What if I'm tall? What if I'm not tall enough? What if they don't like Irish people? Why wouldn't they like Irish people? <laughs> so now you've got all these questions and things that are going through your head. They're like, well, why won't they just answer? And it gets to the point where you no longer as much care about what the, if the answer is yes or no. You just want to be acknowledged. You just want acknowledgement as a human being that, like, I, you said you were gonna do something, you didn't. And now I'm burning inside. It's control and caught everything, it's got all of my attention. Junior high is hard. I, I'm sorry for all the junior high and middle school kids. Like, it's hard, it's rough. Go do your homework. <laughs> that was the fun one. The more serious one, oh, Lord, Nora's leaving. The more serious one is this. A friend or a close acquaintance brings up something that they're struggling with in their life. Maybe it's in private, one-on-one. Maybe it's in a community group, or maybe it's in the context of of a text message. But they've brought up something that they're asking you to pray about, to be, you know, considering, to be thinking about. And depending on the friend, they may or may not go into great detail about what's going on, but they, that they've at least told you that they've got something going on. And you reply that you will be in prayer that you're considering it. You're, you're in prayer for them. And as most conversations do with friends, you, you move on to the next subject and then you talk about other things and then, and then the conversation's over. Days go by and maybe, maybe you've prayed about it, maybe you haven't, but you've sort of forgotten about it. It's no longer on top of mind. And, and you've seen that person and no longer does it come up. They don't bring it up. You don't bring it up. And until both really don't address the issue at all. Now that doesn't seem so bad, right? Well, let's consider what's happening on their end. And maybe you've been on that other end. So let's consider that it's hard to talk about the things that you're dealing with. To be vulnerable, to say that I'm struggling, my family's struggling, things, we're going through something difficult. It's hard to bring that up and say like, oh, my life is not perfect. We all know that, but for whatever reason, us beautiful humans have difficulty saying, I messed up or we've messed up, or we're not doing things the way that we should, and we find it difficult to just bring it up. And so when we do bring that up, when they do bring it up, they're entrusting that the person that they're talking to cares, that they care about the thing that that they're bringing up, or that maybe you're bringing up. And then not only that you care, that you're going to do something about it. That you're not that you're gonna fix it. It's not about the nail. It's not that you're gonna fix it, but that you're gonna pray, or that you're gonna care about it, or that you're gonna be around, or at least give some encouragement. And so when we when we respond with empty words, we go, okay, they're engaged, and then we're not, and they're waiting. And you know, at at night when they're alone and their things are going on, and maybe things got worse, they're not gonna be thinking about the people who made empty promises. They're gonna be thinking about the people who have who have actually been reaching out, who have actually been trying to get a hold of them, who have sent cards, who have sent well wishes, who have prayed, who have actually been engaging in their lives. Because in their heart is left despair. How many people said they were praying for me and then they didn't? Where are those people? And it grows from despair to loneliness. And they feel forgotten. And they don't bring it up because you didn't bring it up, so they feel like maybe you don't care. So why bring it up? When we substitute the work of our hands with just sentimental words, we become like the hypocrites and we hurt the ones around us when we substitute the work of our hands, the love of Jesus Christ, with sentimental words, <clears throat> praying for you, we become like the hypocrites and hurt the ones around us. We've looked, at, we've looked at the effect empty words have on us, and we've looked at what the effect it has on people around us. And last, I want to look at the future implications, words, can have on us first let's look at Matthew 12 36 through 37 I tell you on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word they speak for by your words your will be justified or your words your will be just you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned careless Or idle words here means that things like a word that means nothing or it does nothing. It does not minister any help. It does not offer any instruction. They're just careless, idle, empty words. And Jesus here, Jesus here was clear for us to take great care in our words. Because we are either justified or we are condemned by our words on the day of judgment. Now in scripture it talks about two different judgments. There's the white throne of judgment, which is for those who have not accepted Jesus Christ. And then there's the judgment for Christians, G- Jesus' judgment. That, and again, there's no losing your salvation in this judgment. But it is a judgment that examines our words and it examines our actions throughout our life. So again, the implication is that our Idle words, our empty words have a future implication beyond this life. The second scripture that I'd like us to look at is 1 John 3 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, but if anyone has the the world's goods, And sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The future, the eternal implication that John is talking about here, and to to paraphrase his beautiful phrasing, Uh, Jesus here thank you Jesus for keeping your word for not just loving us in word but in deed and in truth you see Jesus' speech his words were a precursor to loving actions the most loving actions this world has ever seen these words were filled with hope they were filled with grace and saving. And in John fourteen six through fourteen, which we're going to read just next, Jesus gives us beautiful life-saving, grace-filled words that we can rest our faith on. Jesus said to him, "I am the way, and I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. You now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him." Philip said to him, "Lord." Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else, be- or else believe on account from all the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus' words are filled with hope and truth And they lay a place of rest and mercy for us. When we hear those words, we believe them. And why do we believe them? Because Jesus' words were a precursor to an act, to a loving act. We knew that when Jesus, and we know that when Jesus says something, he does it. You see, without Jesus following through as an actual way, as the actual truth, as the actual life, 1 John 3 wouldn't be true. We wouldn't know love. We only know love because Jesus loved us indeed, and not in word only. We can only be with the Father through the Son. Jesus' words were a precursor to the will of his Father. They were a precursor to actions. When we take great care with our words, when we mean what we say, when our words are a precursor to loving actions, our words can actually be filled with love and with hope for people, becoming actions. In closing, I want to reiterate one more time. When we substitute the work of our hands with just sentimental words, we become like the hypocrites. And we hurt the ones around us. Empty words, empty promises. They strip away hope. They strip away hope not only from those around you, but from yourself. You start to believe that words aren't worth anything. After a while, you become numb to the bless yous, praying for you. Let's make 2023 a year that's actually lifting up prayer, that's actually doing work. Let your faith drive your speech, which should fuel your works, that feeds back into your faith. And let's keep it simple. Your words need to be a precursor to his work. And if you don't have a New Year's resolution, then this year, how about God? Let my words be a precursor to your work. Let's pray. Lord, most heavenly father, I'm so thankful for your son who died for us. Who didn't just love us in words, who didn't just say good things, who didn't just try to make us feel better for empty promises. But we serve a God who did it. Who lived a perfect life who went to that cross, who died on it, who defeated death and rose again. And God, I'm so thankful for his example. I pray for our church, God, so often it, it doesn't even register in our minds when we say things and we walk away and we forget. Lord, let us take great care with the words that we truly, truly make those words a precursor to your will, to your actions in our lives and in others.